Y'all can turn in your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, whatever it is you do, to Nehemiah chapter 1. That's where we're going to begin. We're going to continue to talk about a place called home. Nehemiah's heart was broken, as we learned last week, about his people. He was, okay, he was a butler to the king, as who Nehemiah was, the king of Persia, uh, Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah, that's, you know, that's kind of interesting in itself. You know, like you, your cup served, your hand served the cup to the king of Persia. Actually, at that time, he was considered the king of the world, right? And Nehemiah was the butler to the king, and he had gotten word back from his people in Jerusalem that the walls were torn down. They really didn't have a home, and it broke his heart, right? He was a servant to the king. Uh, there are those that believe he was like a wine taster or a food taster. So he was the guy who would uh, drink the wine or taste it before the king got it or taste the food before the king got it to be sure it wasn't poison. How would you like to have that job, right? right. So that was the job he had. But, you know, God knows what he's doing. Everybody say, God knows what he's doing. He, he knows who to appoint to do what jobs that need to be done to see because Nehemiah had a first, well, he talked to the king on a daily basis. God knew who to put there, right? Nehemiah needed, uh, at this point, when he found out he needed to go to his home, his home country, to Jerusalem, to his home city, to go help rebuild the wall, he, he broke his heart. He needed to go back, and therefore, he needed to do something that was uh, only he would have access to do, and that was to go ask permission or talk to the king about actually getting to go back to Jerusalem to help rebuild the wall. So his heart was broken. We're going to talk about the very next step. We talked about his broken heart last week for his people. I think that's important. I think uh, he was an incredible leader as we read about him in the scripture. Here's the next thing that I... If, if you aspire to be a great leader out there, and I think every one of us should, here's our next step in that. And it was, first off, I think to be a leader, you have to have a heart for people. You just do. You've got to have a, you got to love people. You know, and the next thing you have to do is what Nehemiah did is you've got to have a heart to pray. Nehemiah had a step he had to take. He had to go talk to the king. He, he was not only going to talk to the king about going home, he was going to talk to the king about resources and protection and money, and all those things he was going to need when he got there. Uh, he, he had to ask for a lot of things. So before he went, he did something. He went to the Lord in prayer. He poured his heart out before God to help him with this next step. I want to tell you something as a pastor. This is, that, that is, it is amazing to me when I know I'm about to go meet with someone or I'm about to go teach a Bible study or I'm about to do anything like that, um, I always try to remember because my life gets busy sometimes and just like yours. And how many times, I just want to ask this question. You can uh, show hands if you'd like. I'll, I'm going to raise mine to it. How many times have you been so busy that you forgot to pray? Right? Like you just went on and about your business, you know, and, and, uh, and it was like, oh, man, I, you, you, you find yourself on the other side of what you were going to do, and you realize, I didn't even pray about that, right? I mean, I've been there many times. It always amazes me, though, whether I know I'm going to go into something that's confrontational or, or whether I'm going to go into something and teach God's Word or what it is. 
If I will just take a few moments, and I talked to you all about that last week, just a few moments in prayer and say, God, please be with me during this because I need your help. I need you to go before me. I need you to pave the way, and I need you to equip me on the way to do it. And, man, it is amazing how God will answer that prayer. How many of you, when you get up, when you get up to go to work tomorrow, are you going to start your day out and say, God, equip me for the day? It's amazing. If you will do that, it's amazing. To, it's amazing how God will answer that prayer for you that day. You know, get up in the morning and say, God, give me someone to tell about Jesus today. I'm telling you, you, you pray that prayer, you know what God will do? He will put somebody in front of you to tell, tell about Jesus. I'm telling you, he will. Uh, so praying is so important before we go and do. Pray, then go do. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get into our scripture time. We're going to read a few more this morning than we did last week, starting in Nehemiah uh, chapter 1, verse 4, I believe, is where we're going to start. And this is what it says. Uh, now, let me preface just a second. He just got word that the walls were broken down and the people were in a terrible shape back in Jerusalem. So this is where we pick up from there. We actually read verse 4 last week. As soon as I heard these words... I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant and steadfast love with those who, who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I may, that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have kept and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, then your outcasts are in the utter, that are in the uttermost parts of heaven. From there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make a name, my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand, O Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in sight of this man. He's praying about the king. Inside, give him mercy in sight of the king he was about to go talk to. And then it says, Now I was the cupbearer to the king. I want to talk to you about a few things. The prayer of a leader. How, what should we consider when we're a leader, when we're going to lead something, when we're, if we're a leader of our family, if we're a leader of a new Sunday school class, or we're the leader of whatever we're leading, what are things that we should consider as a prayer of a leader? What are the things? Well, first of all, we should consider that we're praying to an awesome God. Now, um, I have been guilty of using the word awesome out of context. You know why? Because we use the word awesome for many things. 
We use the word, when we, when we see something that's cool, you know, we say, that's awesome, right? Or somebody tells us some great news, we say, well, that's awesome. Or, you know, you can just go down the list. Uh, the word awesome is, I'll tell you what, I believe it's one of the most misused words in the English language is the word awesome. Do you know why? Because that word awesome should only be reserved for the God of heaven. He's the only one that deserves to be called awesome. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, we're praying. Here's the other thing we're doing, and this is really important to remember. We're praying on behalf of those we love. When you go to the Lord in prayer as a leader, you should be praying on behalf of those who you love. Now, I want to ask you a question. When Jesus gave the great commandment, and when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? He said, this is the greatest commandment in the law. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And then he said this. And the second one is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Um, now, I want you to think about those you love. And there, there's something that we need to remember. If we're ever in a confrontation with someone and we're not feeling that, much love toward them. You know what I mean? Right? But you're a leader. If God's placed you in that place to have that conversation, you are one who leads because God's put you there. Do you believe that God puts you in the situations you're in right now? He does. He orchestrates your life. He puts the people in front of you that he wants in front of you. And he expects, he expects, he expects, I'm going to say that again, he expects you show him Jesus. Right? So therefore, you are to love them. So praying for those you love may be praying for someone you think you don't love. <laughs> right? But you're praying on behalf of those you love. You know, one of the things we should want for every single person we come in contact with, even if we don't like them too much, and I know y'all are people y'all don't like, just you don't have to pretend with me, right? Even if you don't like them, one thing you should want for them, even those you don't like too much, one thing you should want for them, one thing you should want for them. I'm telling you, church, one thing you should want for them is them to be eternally secure in Jesus Christ and go to heaven. You need to be praying that for them, praying that they, that they come to Christ to find Jesus. Here's the next thing. Pray for the mighty works of God when you're praying. Those are some things, those are... Well, you know, this, is, this goes along right along with the pattern of prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. In the book of James, it says these words, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Let's read that, church, right there. Uh, and Let's read it really loud, that underlined part. Let's read it together now. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Wow. Now what makes you righteous? Somebody tell me. Who makes you righteous? Jesus. Right? That's that Sunday school answer. Jesus. Right? It's the truth though. Jesus is the one that makes you righteous. Let me ask you this morning, if you could show me a show of hands, are you saved this morning? Does Jesus live in your heart? If, you're, if that's you, then you are righteous. Oh my goodness. Randy, you're righteous. <laughs> Woo! You have a righteous beard too, man. Right? Yeah, it's no, it's not. Not awesome. Only God is awesome. But you have a righteous beard. But here's the thing. 
If you're righteous, then this is what the Bible says about you and your prayer. Okay, let's read it again so you'll understand how powerful you are as a praying leader. You ready? The prayer of a righteous person. Are you saved? Raise your hand. That means you're righteous. What does it say? It has great power as it's working. Your prayer influences, calls upon the heart of God to move. Wow. That's pretty dang amazing to me. I don't know about y'all, right? So we understand these things about the prayer of a leader. Now, as we look at this, let's look at what Nehemiah started out saying. He called, this is what he said. He said, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And what does it say? I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven, right? And I said, oh, Lord God of heaven, what? The great and awesome God who keeps co his covenant. That's his promise. You know God keeps all his promises? God ain't never made a promise he ain't kept. Right? We've all fallen short of that. Uh, we may not have done it on purpose, but we don't keep all our promises. I wish we did, but we don't. But God has always kept all of his promises, and he always will. Uh, he keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. The word awesome here is to cause astonishment, awe, or fear. That's, the word, that's what the word awesome means, uh, to be astonished or be in awe of something or literally be so reverent of someone or something that you, you're in fear of it. You know, you read this all through scriptures like this one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Um, that does, listen, when we think about fearing God, being awestruck by God, what we do is we realize, we realize what a mighty, incredible God he is. Jesus told his disciples and the people, he says, don't fear the one who can kill the body. Don't fear that one. Fear the one who can kill the body and throw the soul into eternal hell. That's who you fear. We should understand that our God is an awesome God. And hell wasn't created for us. It was created for the devil and the angels, the scripture says in Matthew 25. That's who he created hell for. But listen, if we don't fear God, if we don't realize it, listen, our, um, it, he'll, he loves us so much that he'll save us. But we need to understand that we need to fear the one. We need to have an awe for the one who holds eternity in his hands. Right? He is eternal God, and he gives us eternal life. I mean, that is awesome in itself, all by itself. So we understand that this is who deserves to be awesome. Nehemiah opened up his prayer, recognizing that God was awesome. That's what he did. He literally opened up in prayer. How many of you, when you pray to God, when you uh, a leader or not, when you're a praying leader, have you just opened up to God and just, just spit your list out, right? Before you do anything else, you know, it's like, you know, you, uh, oh, Lord Jesus, please give me that new truck I'm going to look at right now. <laughs> and make that salesman give me a good deal. Well, how about just before you do that, say, God, you're awesome. 
You know, I know it works for my kids on me. Like, you know, when they say, Dad, you're the greatest dad in the world. Can I? That helps. God is awesome. So we should recognize how awesome he is. Look at what Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 9. He said, this is how you pray. That's how do we pray, Lord? And this is what he says. The first thing you need to do when you pray, when you open up in prayers, pray then like this. Ready? We know this one. Y'all know this one, right? Did y'all know that when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, that he was giving us a pattern to pray by? He said, pray then like this. What? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What are we saying there? We could replace that with, my God, who is king of all. You are holy. You are awesome. You're mighty. It's the same thing. We're opening up our prayer, praying and praising God. Some people tell me, you know, I try to pray, Pastor, and I don't know how to pray. Well, I'll tell you what about this. How many of you right now can think of something awesome about God? At this moment, can somebody just tell me something awesome about God? You're alive? That's awesome. God's covered. He's like, you're alive right now. Praise God. That's awesome about God, right? So, hey, that's a praise, right? It's, he's worthy of our praise. And listen, um, if you're str struggling with what to pray when you, lay, when, you, when you lay down at night or when you get on your knees to pray before God, how about praying to God and praising Him and telling Him how awesome He is? That's a good start, isn't it, right? That's what Jesus told his disciples to do. He said, our Father, our heart in heaven. Can I show you something? I, I like this verse. Uh, I got it in my, marked in my Bible this morning. I got ahead of y'all. You know, sometimes I get here and I think of something. And I go, I need to read that to them. That's what I did. Psalm 103, verse 19. Listen to what it says. How about this for a prayer opener? The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. You believe that? Everybody look at the person next to you and say, God's in charge. Right? So we can, we can literally open our prayer up realizing and praising him because I'm so glad he's in charge. I'm so glad he's in charge and that I'm not. Right? Aren't you, aren't you really glad that God's in charge and you're, and you're not? So we realize that God is king over all. And this, this is what he, he goes on to, uh, well, this is what Nehemiah prays. He says, you're the God, you're so great, and you keep your covenant and steadfast love with those who love him, right? And keep his commands, right? Well, I want to ask you a question. Now, uh, I ask you if you were saved this morning. When you were saved, if we go by a scripture about salvation, what it says, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Everybody say Lord. Lord. So there you're saying right there when you pray through the prayer of salvation, confessing that Jesus is Lord, you're saying, God, you're in charge. You're king over all. You're king over life and over death. You're king over my life, and I give it to you. That's what you're saying. Um, you're saying, in a sense, this, uh, like Nehemiah prayed for those who he was praying on behalf of, uh, that God keeps his covenant and his steadfast love for what? Who does he keep it for? What does it say? For those who what? Those who love him, right? And those who keep his commands. What's that basically saying is that you love God so much that you want, you're obedient to him, right? Right? 
God, uh, he keeps his covenant, his promises to you who have given your life to him. And you, uh, listen, you're not earning salvation, but as a result of Jesus saving you, you are obedient to him. That's the way that works. You have the power of Jesus' love in you to make you able to be obedient to him. If you didn't have Jesus' salvation first, there's no way you could be obedient to God. If you're here and you're trying to be obedient to God to get to heaven without Jesus, you've, taken the, you've put the cart before the horse, so to speak. You need to, you need to trust Jesus to save you, give him your life, make him Lord of your life, and then he will empower you to be obedient. He'll save you first and then he'll make you able to do that, right? So uh, we see that, that God, man, he keeps his promises, his covenant um, to those who love him, who've trusted him to save him, who call him Lord, who's put him in charge. So here it is. Look at this. Jesus taught his disciples in the next step of this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What do we say? Let's read it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are you saying there? A leader's prayer should always be, God, I desire, I want, I ask for your will in my life. Your kingdom over me. Your will be done in my life. That's the prayer of someone who leads. You know, um, it's really interesting when we pray like this. Because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm just going to sit here for a minute. Just so I can relax and tell you this. I hope I don't fall backwards into that water. But I want, you to, I want you to think about this for a minute. When you pray God's will in your life and for God's kingdom to overcome your life, what happens? You, you see, there's a, there's a battle that goes on with every believer, every Christian. There's a battle. You know what that battle is? Your will or God's will. Right, And so when you, to pray, when you try to pray your will against God's will, like, God, this is what I will. This is what I want in my life. This is what I want. There is de a definite rift between you and the Lord, and that will never connect. But when you pray, when you start to pray, God, your will be done in my life. You be king over my life. Something amazing happens. You know what it is? God begins to change your heart to trust His will. And you, where you think that you could never have joy praying God's will in your life, you find out that if you pray God's will in your life, He implements His will in your life, then He changes your heart and get, brings you joy about His will in your life. But as long as you're out of rift with God, there will ne you'll never have that joy. You know, if you, I, I had to learn a long time ago, that God's will for me is better than my will for me. Right? Yeah. Hey, Bubba said, yeah. That's hard to do when you wake up one morning and can't see out of one of your eyes. Correct? But you realize that God's will for you is better than your will for you. That's what Nehemiah prayed. That's what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Look at this. Nehemiah said, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. 
I need to pray for the ones I love. Not only praying and recognizing how awesome God is, but literally a leader, a praying leader, prays for those he loves. He says, now, I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. You know, I find this really interesting um, that, that Nehemiah prayed and confessed the sins of those he loved, not only himself, but those whom he knew was sinning. You know, and this is not a foreign concept in Scripture. I thought, when I thought about this, I thought, that's, you know, how can I ask forgiveness for the sins or for someone else that my children or someone, how can I do that? Well, you know that Job did that? That Job every day offered sacrifices for not only himself, but his children and repented for his children as well as repented for himself? You know, I know that that child's heart has to return to God personally, Right, it does, but maybe upon uh, being a leader of our family and, and, uh, and being a praying leader, maybe as we pray for our children, pray for God, uh, confess their sins and say, Lord, I know they're out of your will right now. Well, I confess it and I ask you to forgive them. I ask you to bring them to that place of repentance and forgiveness. I believe that's what Nehemiah was doing. You know, and I, I think that's a very biblical thing to do for us as praying leaders to pray for our children pray for those that we love that those that we know that man they you know that you see the sin in their life and it's not judgmental guys it's not it's not a judgmental thing to recognize sins in other believers it's not quit quit doing that i always hate it when somebody says quit judging me right don't y'all i mean hey i'm a pastor i'm gonna judge on y'all i want to <laughs> When, when you, when I know you, and we're talking on a personal level, and you ask me personal things about your life, and I, and I, I call you out on it, don't think I'm judging you, I love you, and I would expect the same from you for me, because that's what we do, but that's not hate, that's love, we need to understand that. When something breaks our heart enough that it offends us, maybe it's something we need to change. Right? Just remember that. So uh, Nehemiah not only recognized that it, the people sinned, but he also recognized his own sin, right? Jesus said the same thing in, in the Lord's Prayer. If we, uh, if we look at it, let's see. Um, right here. Uh, next slide, please, Nadia there. It says, he says this to... Uh, in our prayer, prayer to give us, he's asking the Lord, he's praying for those, we're praying for those around us, give us this day our daily bread. What's that mean in the Lord's Prayer? Well, we've, we've prayed to God and we've, we've recognized him as awesome and mighty. Um, we, have, um, we have prayed for others and now we're lifting up our needs to the Lord. That's what Nehemiah did. Um, and Jesus said these words. He said, here's something else about sin we need to recognize. We're going to take it a step further. He says, 
forgives a, we need to pray for God to forgive our debts. But look at this. This is really, really, well, it's really important for all of us. It says, uh, let's read the, underline the last line there on the top verse. Ready? We also have forgiven our debtors. Let's say that again. We also have forgiven our debtors. You know, it's really easy for me on a personal level to go to God and repent of my sin. I don't even have a problem recognizing when I sin. You know, I'm like, oh gosh, I just messed that deal up. I'm going to go, I need to ask forgiveness, right? I need to repent. And it's so, and, and for me, it's really easy for me to accept God's forgiveness for my sin. Like, thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood so that I could repent and your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me for my sin. And it's so great that God is so graceful and wonderful for to forgive us for our sins. But what about those that we have not forgiven, that we have not exercised the same grace and mercy that we have received toward those who need our forgiveness? This is so important for the prayer of a leader that we hold nothing. And there's really, there, I'm, I'm going to just tell you this, and it's going to hurt, but it's honest. And I know this is going to hurt because some of you, people have hurt you and wronged you in terrible ways. But there is no one, if there's no one in the world that's outside of the scope of God's forgiveness and you are a follower of Jesus, then they are not outside the scope of yours. If you want a right relationship before God, forgive those who've hurt you. Not only forgive, God forgive our debts, but forgive those, I forgive those who've and who are indebted to me. Um, I'm going to have to close pretty soon, but I really want to, um, I really want to read a passage to you. You know, Jesus said right there, right there, Peter asked him, he says, how, well, then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, that doesn't mean 77 times really either. I mean, you take that literally, right? Okay, I'm counting 71, <laughs> 72, right? Literally, that means every time they need forgiveness, you forgive them. I, I want to I wanna read something to you from that passage, Matthew 18. After he told Peter this, he told him a story, and this is how the story goes. Listen up. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, you think about a talent. A talent is a huge sack of money. It's not a, like a coin. It's a sack full of money. It's big, right? He owed him a bunch. He owed him a lot, more than he could ever pay back. And it says, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all he had 
and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's a hundred days wages. And he said, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he refused and he went and put him in prison until he, could, he should pay the debt. When the fellow servants saw what ta had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you. I want you to think about that right now. You know, I'm going to close right here with this passage. There's one more point, but we'll get to it next week. But I, I, I want you to think about that. That servant, he owed more than he could ever pay back. He could never pay it back. And when he pleaded with the master, he forgave his debt and didn't hold him accountable for it and sent him on his way. He literally left that place, went to a guy who owed him a few hundred bucks, started choking him and demanded him to pay what he owed. Of course, the story goes, when the master found out, he didn't forgive him either. He just threw him back in jail. I want to ask you a question. When you came to Christ and you received forgiveness and mercy and love and he forgave you your debt and he saved your soul for all of eternity, can I ask you a question? Is there any way apart from Jesus' forgiveness that you could have paid back the debt of sin you owe to God? So the scripture tells us that there's not one person whom has sinned against you is, does not deserve the same mercy and forgiveness that Christ has shown you. I know that's hard. I know that's hard. And I, I want to tell you something. And I want you to listen to me because this is pastoral advice. Okay? Some of you are holding on to that so hard and you won't let it go and you won't forgive. And I'm going to tell you who it's hurting. It's hurting you. Let's forgive others as we have been forgiven. Let that go and be free of it. Turn it loose. Leave it over to God. I'm telling you, this is, you know, it's one of those things. It's when we pray, God's will be done in my life, not mine. This is one of those things that will, that will of ours is so strong and it holds on so tight and it keeps us captive and prisoner. And in this, it truly does. But when we learn to let it go, and forgive and let God have it. What amazing things will happen in your life. This morning, you may be one of those that have never received the forgiveness of Jesus. 
and you need to give him your life and you need to confess your sins before him and say, Lord, forgive me for these. I need you in my life. I need your salvation. Maybe, that, maybe that's you this morning. How would you like it today to walk out of this place a free person from your sin? To walk out of here and say, Lord, I'm saved. I know Christ as my Savior. If that's you, would you please, everyone in this place, bow your head, close your eyes. And I'm going to simply lead you in a prayer. And as, and as I lead you, the Bible tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe that's you. You need to call upon the name. But can I help you? Just let me help you call upon the name of the Lord. Maybe you don't know how, but today is the day you need to give him your life. Trust Jesus to save you. Just simply pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. And overcame my sin. I believe you live today. And you can give me eternal life. Jesus, I ask you to come and live in me. Save my soul. And it's in your mighty name. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim I am saved. Amen. This morning, I'm going to ask our band to come up. Right now, as you'd come, and also uh, Justin and those that are going to be doing the baptism, please come up as well as they come. And uh, while they're coming and getting ready, I want to invite you to do something. I'm going to step right out here in the front while they're getting ready. This morning, if you prayed to receive Jesus for the very first time, would you do me a favor? Would you fill out one of those cards in the back? And... Um, Put your name and your phone number on it so I can call you this week and talk to you about your uh, salvation. And also, there's, some, there's something else. Um, I talked about forgiveness this morning. And you may be holding on to something so tight that you're not able to forgive someone. Now, I want to tell you something. The messages you leave me are very personal to me. I don't share anything with anybody. If you need to pray about that with me, uh, I'm not asking, you don't even have to share, me your, share your story with me or anything like that about this, but if you need someone to help you pray about forgiving somebody else, would you do me a favor? Would you just leave your phone number and your name in that box? Leave me a contact and maybe a little message. Please pray for me. I'll call you. I'll talk to you about it if you'd like for me to. If you need to, I mean, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. But let God free you from that unforgiveness. Let, it, let him turn loose. So if you want to leave a card with me, put it in there. Just say, Pastor, I need prayer. I, I would like to, I'd like that opportunity to pray with you about that, okay? So, um, church, um, this is Justin. Justin, when you want to step down in there, water, please. Just get up in there. Um, uh, uh, Justin's been visiting our church for quite a while, and, 
and I've seen him in the back. Do y'all want to come in? Kids want to come in and watch the baptism? Is that what y'all are here for? No? Okay. All right. I didn't know. Okay. But, um, you know, uh, it's been pretty neat to see how God works uh, so, so great. Justin has been coming and visiting, and then uh, God, after the first year, God had put something on my heart to do, and I was really excited about doing it. We started a little short little Bible study at the cell barn every last Saturday of the month. And um, we had a really good crowd there last, last week at, I mean, 6.30 in the morning. We had a good group of men that they were there and ladies that were there at the cell barn cafe. And we had a little Bible study, a little short one. And we always pray together. Really cool what God's doing there. Well, uh, to the last one, not this, we did it yesterday, but the one before that, Justin was there yesterday and he was there at that one. And, uh, and he just kind of hung around after it was over and uh, he says, Pastor, it's time for me to follow up in believer's baptism, right? So, man, I'm telling you, God's at work in our church, and I'm thankful for it. So, Justin, we're, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, have you trusted Christ to save your soul? Does he live in your heart today? 100%. Good. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? On your profession of faith, we baptize you, our brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death and raised again to walk a new life. Come forward yet. There you go. Woo! There it is. Congratulations, buddy. All right. We're going to. Oh, get his towel. Get his towel. All right. Um, now, uh, just to show y'all know why I was not involved in that baptism like I normally am because I really wanted to be, but I've got a, I hurt my shoulder and I was afraid to dunk him, so uh, afraid I couldn't get him out of there, all right? So we let, we let Pastor Tommy take care of it this morning. He did a good job too, didn't he? All of them did, y'all good. All right. Uh, but the band's going to close this out, uh, but if you were going to, please stay for that camp meeting real quick. I promise I won't keep you long and then I'll let you go, okay? Yep.